Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. Like the wonderful lady said, I'm Ray Lynch, and I am the host of the show Miracles in Recovery. I am in the studio by myself this evening. Ellen chose to go out on a cruise ship for a three or four day cruise to the Bahamas out of West Palm Beach. It's a, it's one of those cool little three day, hundred and forty nine dollar, quick little getaways. It just so happened to fall on the time that we're on a show, and she wouldn't have been able to call in from the sea. So fortunately, we do have a guest with us tonight. His name is Dr. Saulier, and he is the author of a book called Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. Hi, Doc. How are you? I'm doing well, Ray. How are you doing? Good, good. It's good to have you on the show. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, nice, nice. How's the weather there today? My brother my brother lives out there. He works for uh, the Marriott chain. Oh, well, did, yeah, we have quite a few around here. And yeah. I, it's warm and uh, not too warm, though, and it's a pretty good day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess any day above ground is a good day, right? Well, I, I, I have a little higher uh, <laughs> expectation than that, but yeah. yes, any day is... <laughs> I'm hoping to have a better day than that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I think the majority of us do, but I think if we, I think if we, uh, you know, set the bar low, we have no problem but succeed, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, so is is this your first book, or have you written some books in the past? Uh, nothing that anybody would want to read. Uh, that was an academic book, but this is. Uh, this is the first book that I really wrote that uh, I wanted to to, to reach uh, the common person. So yes, it is in that respect very much so. And when 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 did you read it? I mean, read it. When did you write it? I, it took about three years, right? Uh, wow. Started in May of two thousand and sixteen, and between that and getting it published, and I published it in February. So just a little short of. Uh, three years between writing and editing and getting it ready. And then, of course, I've spent the last four months promoting it. So it's yeah, a three-year odyssey. Oh, nice, nice. I, and I guess that I, I guess that's kind of normal, right? I mean, for, I mean, especially for, for, for a first-time writer, how many times did you go back over it and over it and over it and pick through it? And that probably, that was probably the most time-consuming. Oh, I had to have. I had three levels of editors to help me. Uh, I was I was mentored by uh, New York Times winning author Sark, and the first draft was after a year of writing was 622 pages, just to get the ideas out of my head. And it took another over a year and a half, and I had to work with uh, an editor who chopped it down, and then I had to tie it back together, and then we did it again, and then we did it again. It was like, <laughs> I guess it's like brandy. You just keep distilling it down until it's smooth and rich. <laughs> right, right, right. So share a little bit about um, not only the odyssey of writing a book, but the meaning of the book and why you chose 
Safe to Love Again, why you chose that as a basis for the book. Well, the meaning of the book is, if there's one overall message, is that we all deserve to have a love that lasts. Uh, and we deserve someone who loves us. And we deserve to be the sort of person who is loving enough to attract someone who loves us back. It's important to give love and to take love. Um, and, and the whole safe to love again thing, that's, that's, you, you see a lot of people out there that are really afraid of love these days. Uh, love is like the boogeyman in the closet for a lot of adults. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I guess, you know, it's like a, I was speaking a few months ago, and a, a friend who had read the book, we were talking, and she saw another friend at the event. She says, oh, come over here and meet Dr. Salyer. And she says, he's written a book on love, and as soon as she said that, this woman went, white as a sheet, right? And, and took a step back and said, oh, no, not another book to tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the way a lot of people feel after they've had two or three bad breakups, divorces, and they're afraid of love. It's the boogeyman right. closet. And this is about our way home to what is our birthright, uh, what we all came into the planet wired for and we all deserve. And it, it, and it does take being safe to love again, because we never do anything we're not really safe with uh, unless you're some sort of daredevil. <laughs> right. You know, like, yeah, we need safety. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen in, in years of working with clients is some part of them isn't safe and is either sabotaging the relationship to get out or they got one foot in and one foot out uh, and or they're afraid to even get back in the game. So that's why it's called Safe to Love Again. Now, is, is, this, is this what your, I don't want to say expertise, but I mean, is this what your focus is working with, working with individuals on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis, helping them find who they are and being able to open themselves up again? And the reason why I ask that is because the majority of our audience um, which is which is heard around the world right now. We're, we're probably heard in, I don't know, maybe anywhere from 27 to 36 countries are listening right now. Um, the majority of the people tune in for the addiction and recovery aspect of what it is that we speak about. But also in the same token, I know that when I was out there um, in my worst state, I was so loveless that it allowed me to procrastinate enough to stay away from myself enough to stay out on the street longer. And until I got a clear head and started to learn to love myself again, could I open myself up to be able to love anyone or be loved by anyone? Yeah, I get that. You know, I've worked with, obviously, I work with both singles and couples. Uh, and, you know, if you've done it as, you know, 10, 12 years like I have, there are going to be people that come in who are battling addictions. Uh, and I've never met the person who's battling addiction who has what I call a full set of rights for love. Um, right. They're, they're trying to fill that void that was given them, usually in childhood, sometimes a little later in life, but they're all trying to feel desperately that need to feel deserving or to feel cherished, or to feel empowered, whatever the, or even welcome in life. Whatever that original 
pain was, and I talk about those four feelings as the key to knowing when you're loved. So when you're loving yourself, uh, and if you're out there and you're wondering, how do I love myself? It's about restoring these four feelings that tell every brain on the planet that it's love. There's four feelings. Welcome with joy, worthy and nourished to have your needs met, cherished and protected, and empowered with choice. And those, it is usually one or two or maybe even three or four of those that are missing that drives the addiction. Um, and if you really want to learn how to love yourself, it's to give yourself back a right to feel welcomed and worthy and cherished and empowered. And then uh, when you have that right, uh, you start attracting better, you start creating better, and pretty soon that void gets filled up. It's about filling that void of those four missing feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, whichever they were, that toss were left. You know, and the and the uh, the incredible thing about people that we speak to, like this book, Safe to Love Again. When your publisher or your marketer reached out to me, I, I she sent me, you know, a basic little rundown of who you were and how you wrote the book and everything. And I looked at it and I said, you know something, this book is made for everyone. And I know that people, our audience will get something of it as well, because what, you know, in, in addiction, we still suffer from the normal quote unquote, normal, um, Things that we do to ourselves, uh, the st- how uh, I'll put it this way, how we uh, respond to the stimulus given to us. And a lot of, yeah. you know, there are a lot of people that I have, you know, shared with or have spoken to that are were starved for love when they were young. I mean, that, that's not my story, but, you know, I think I think I, I could proudly say I was a little bit overloved and maybe that's why I maybe that's why I took advantage of the love that was given to me and abused it. But um, you know, there are people out there that even today you, you see them on TV, you even, you know, commercials you see children in um homes and stuff like that without that it, that has to be tough to grow up, not knowing what love is, and how do you how do you break through that and understand what it is? Like, how do you sh- when somebody comes to you and they're shattered like that? How do you walk them through to get to the point of being open enough to be able to be possibly hurt again? Okay. Oh, that's, a, that's a deep question, right? And it's a great question. Um, um, the biggest thing is, I, we know from research, and I talk about it in the book, that we know that children, can have a, they have what's called a love style. By the time they're one years old, their brain has a certain style of relating. And they can be secure, which means they know they're loved. Um, they are comfortable depending and being depended on. Uh, then they're the anxious and the avoidance, the avoidance pull back. They, they're, they're afraid of depending on someone or being dependent on. And the anxious are always afraid love's going to go away. Where were you last night? What did you text? By one, all those, one of those three is usually set up and running. Now, what tells a, a one-year-old baby they're loved? Well, we know that some of the, the, the mental machinery for doing identity and story and beliefs, uh, that doesn't come on till three. The only thing. Mm-hmm is feelings that's on up, that's online and running. 
And these feelings, uh, these four feelings that I isolate as the key, what tells that baby they're loved is they have been walking with joy. Oh, there's little Ray. We're so glad you're here. Right? <laughs> that stuff you get. Right? And you get smiles. Welcome with joy when it's when the baby reaches out for their needs and people respond. If they don't get it right, they make a repair. They figure out, oh, he didn't want the binky, he wants the blanket, right? Right. Um, cherished and protected. You get to, as a toddler, you get to explore, but someone's watching over you. You get to be a me and explore your own life, but someone's there to be backup. Someone's there to support you, to watch over you. You get to be in a we, a me and a we. At the same time. And then you get empowered with choice. Later on, terrible twos, you get, you get to say no and yes. You get to be able to create your own experience, not what somebody else's experience is. And if you've been given these four feelings, welcomed, worthy, cherished, and empowered, you feel loved. Where it goes wrong is what if you were given unwelcome, mm-hmm. or unworthy, or not cherished or disempowered. That's when we opt to 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 pull back from love, or to not, you know, or to have something that uh, an adaptation that doesn't work. If I can't get my needs met, uh, maybe I'll just try to meet your needs over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and then you'll reach mine. And then we resent because we're the overgiver. So sometimes we reach too much, sometimes we reach too little. It's all an adaptation. And at one point in time, right, I guarantee you that every every missing right, as I call it in the book, or every uh, anxious or, or avoidant love style is the best deal available. The brain mm-hmm. never wakes up in the morning and says, let's screw with my master. It it took the best deal. And it's a matter of giving people those feelings back and a right to feel welcomed and a right to feel worthy and a right to feel cherished. And when they do that and they can feel it in the core of the body, not just know about it, not just have little vision boards that feel it, worthy people act differently. They attract differently. They don't put up with unworthy. Empowered people, when they feel it, don't put up with people that make them feel unworthy. And when that ends the pain, then they have the right to create a great life and a great love. And it's that. It's going back and restoring these feelings and rights so that you can have the love you deserve. So now you say... If you're out there. Yeah. So you say at one year old is when we... Like, we're just going off of feelings alone. When, when do we, like, start experiencing that? Like, at six months old, three months old? Like, when are we aware as infants of the stimulus that's coming towards us? Like, the welcoming or the unwelcoming? Like, because, say, if there is a an individual out there, parents out there who are running around crazy through addiction and they're ignoring their baby, does the baby know that at three months old or are they not even aware of it at that, at that point? No, they are. They're picking up those feelings. Actually, so right out of the gate. The third, yeah, third trimester. Oh, okay. Third trimester, babies are picking up. They, 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 we now know there is something called neonatal I mean, not neonatal, but uh, prenatal in, uh, imprints. Uh-huh. Uh, to be honest with you, there's a, uh, an attachment expert, Dan Siegel, uh, when, uh, told me privately that he had, um, when he was, he did in a, a little experiment with his own kids. He had he had several kids, and he he every in the third trimester he sang a song that was different for each of his children. 
right into the, his, his, his wife's tummy. And when they got three and four, they loved that song, but they didn't know why. <laughs> he was yeah. Up. Yeah, and each yeah, you know, was a different song, yeah. and each of them liked it. Yeah. People are picking that up. You, you, you know, you can pick up the conflict. The cortisol levels in a, in a mother are transferable. Okay, They're, they may not be able to put words to it, obviously not, but the feelings are there. And children know when they're welcomed. They can feel that. And when they don't feel welcomed in those first few months, um, they tend to withdraw. They, they, they tend to go more. What happens is the right side of the brain is where the emotions are, and they go right. to the left side, the logic side. So they, when they grow up, they become intellectuals. So they become really super spiritual, and they float above life. They can't be in their body. That's when you're not welcomed, you're not in your body. You can't be present. And that can create, as you well know, uh, sometimes drug addiction as a way of trying to be present to life because everything else is so painful. So the, 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 the sad craziness of it is, is that, you know, I've, I've always said, you're going to hear my dogs barking over there, but I've always, I've always said you know, that, you know, being a wise guy saying, you know, when, when I came out, my mother didn't say, oh, John, we had a little addict, but I guess, you know, if I, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I ultimately uh, have 30 years clean and sober now, but I, you know, I, I uh, went through a life of uh, heroin addiction for quite a while and, you know, ultimately got out of my own way and, and, and learned to love myself again and learn, I'm learning to uh, accept and love others as I love myself. And, you know, the thing is, is what you just said was the good possibility is if an individual, if a baby in its third trimester is feeling unwelcomed, the, the, the path has already been dictated for them, not for addiction purposes, but for feeling unwelcomed going forward until they are old enough to be able to address it and change it. Exactly. Um, you know, I, when I was born, my mother wanted a girl. And uh, I was three weeks into life when this, uh, she refused to name me. Uh, my aunt told me when I was in high school that the state had to send some state troopers to the house. And she said, no, I'm not going to name him. And they said, well, ma'am, you can, you can name him here and sign this paper, or we'll take you to a place where you'll have lots of time to think about his name. <laughs> and oh, wow. I wasn't, yeah, yeah. And it came out, Gary Cooper and Dean Martin were, and, and that's what my Aunt Evelyn, you know, suggested. What's your two favorite uh, <laughs> actors? And she said, Gary Cooper and Dean Martin. So I, I, that's what I became. Now, there was a lot of just rejection. There were more instances of that. From that, you could have predicted a, a guy would get a Ph.D., and, and, and you could have predicted a guy that for many, many years lived in his mind but couldn't be in his body couldn't be, you know, even though I was athletic, uh, you know, I tended to drive myself. I didn't listen to my, my mm -hmm. you know, and my wife would say, you know, I, my first wife said, I feel lonely and I didn't get it. Why well, I love you. It's because I wasn't present. Yeah. Okay. Um, an example was, you know, it was not a good example, but when she, to do that, I said, well, what if I always play the intellectual card? 
this is another, and I was kind of addicted to ideas, you know, I, I, I saw it, you know, and so I read a book, and I kept responding to him, and I, well, the book said this, and the book said this, and one day she gets it first, she goes, don't read me, read the book, she goes, don't read the book, read me. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you lose that connection. You can't read other people because you're floating. And at one point in time, for a little infant to be so rejected before there's any ability to control the raging uh, emotions, going into your left brain that doesn't feel is the best deal available. Very best. Keeps you surviving. Hmm. But, but it's not so good when you're married and you can't feel into your wife, and you can't be present, even right. though you love her. That's not... Yeah, it, it's... it's um, it, it, the brain is, the brain is uh, definitely baffling when you sit back and, and try to make reason of it, you know? Um, we're going to have to go to, we're going to have to go to break right now. So call 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. With your questions or comments when we return on the Miracles and Recovery Radio Show. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. We are speaking with Dr. Gary Dean. How you like that? I know you. I know your middle name now, Sawyer. He is the author of "Safe to Love Again: How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve." Doc, how can uh, our listening audience? 
find you on social media? How the how can they find the book? Um, where can they benefit from your from your writings? GarySalyer.com, S-A-L-Y-E-R. There's a link to the book there, and there's also you know free gift of videos that preview the book. You know, and it's uh, two to three minute videos. I call it love notes. Um, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram uh, uh, and Facebook. I've got a safe to love again page there. Um, you know, so those are the um, those are the normal places. Yes. So they get on on Instagram and and Facebook. It's just look up safe to love again, or they look it up by your name. So they can look. They, there's a page for Gary Both. D. Salyer, and okay. uh, uh, and then there's the safe to love again page. Um, and then, of course, there's my website, which has got a lot of cool videos, by the way, uh, previewing things uh, that went into the book or where I did it consciously. And there's a link to the book there. Or you just go to Amazon, you know. Yeah. yeah, we we um we have a lot of people who send us books, and you know, uh, myself and my co-host when she's when she's here, we we go through them. And one of the one of the greatest things I think about what you have written here is it's also a workbook. You know, like I'm I'm looking at page 21 right now and it says list four things that you really want in a relationship with your soulmate or your partner. So like I was saying during the break, a lot of people are a lot of books that we, you know, about gambling or about this, that, and the other thing. It's people telling their story. So you're reading someone's story. With a book like this, it gi- it gives you responsibility because you need to interact with the book. You're interacting within yourself with the book to get to the benefit of what it is that you're giving them with this, with this journal. And... Um, you know, I think that that is the greatest tool that anyone can use because not everybody has access to you every day. Not everybody has access to somebody who can share with them what they're feeling. At least with this, people can go write down a few things, reread the chapter and see what they wrote to see if that is ultimately it's almost like a, it's almost like doing a, like a, a recovery 12 step type thing. You know, you do yeah. it. And then you go back and do it again. And more than likely, if you're being honest with yourself and you're growing, your answers will change along the way. It should. It should. And and the biggest thing I've heard from readers is it's just eye-opening and life-changing. And I don't think I've said this to anybody of all the people that's interviewed me. But I, you know, when I sat down to write the book, the very first year I had my notes, you know, good PhD, got all these notes. And... A voice. I just felt a voice saying, "No, I can't go that." And I realized if I if I followed my notes, I would write this in the same logical manner of a PhD. And I thought, if we're going to talk about love, I have to talk about it as if my right brain, not my left brain, were talking about it. And I threw out all my notes and I wrote every chapter as it came to me. And I tried to write it. How would your right brain that does all of your feelings, you know? Uh, speak about this and I tried to make it so that when people read it they not only got in touch with themselves and they learned some things but they walked away with a feeling of this is what true love feels like and that's why I told a story early in the book that um, there used to be a, a program in the, in the uh, FBI about you know counterfeit 
And back yep. before it became all high-tech tech in the 60s, um, the, they, they didn't train them with all the little details of this color of paper and that type of, of you know, stuff and this little cereal here and that little thing over there. Um, they put them in the first week in a room with money, like a bank tellers. And for the first four and a half days, all they did was, was run money through their hands. And then... On Friday afternoon, they put fake bills in there. And because they had gotten so used to the feel of real money, they instantly felt the difference. Hmm. And so, and so I wanted my, every reader, when they walked away, to know this is what love feels like. It's what it's supposed to feel. No wonder I haven't attracted. No wonder I haven't created or kept. And if, if people know what real love feels like, then they know their road back, back, back to, to health, to having the life and love they want. So it's, it's about giving people a new emotional GPS for love so they can feel their way back to the life and love that they, they deserve and that they want. They were born for it. You know, and now I, now I just heard my, my whole audience just go, oh, man. Am, am I loving the way that I'm supposed to be? So, so I, so maybe we all should grab this book and and um, you know, get 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 on track with with what the doctor's talking about. You know, I, it, it's funny because you said you know you had all your notes and you were going to you know PhD it, and you clinically threw that all away and you did it from the heart. You did it from emotion. You did it from feelings. And and I'm sure this book turned out a lot better than the clinical version that you probably would have started writing if you would have just followed your notes. Not saying that it would have been a bad book, but I'm sure it would have had a different purpose. It would have. And I think that's why a lot of the therapists who have read it have said, wow, you know, this is a book I want to give to my clients. (laughs) Right. So this is a book that the audience wants to read. So make sure you get, make sure you get out there and make sure you, uh, we will we will um, announce again how people can get it, but get on Amazon and, and get the book. You know, I hope right now while you're listening to us share that you're on your computer and you're checking out who Dr. Salyer is and, and how to get the book and, and all of that stuff. Share a little bit about, you know, you had said in the in the first chapter about the rights and I'm looking in front of me. You have six rights, uh, the right to exist, the right to have your needs met, the right to separate and belong, the right to create your own experience, the right to assert your voice and choice, and the right to love and be loved. Share a little bit about that and how we encompass that into our daily lives to give ourselves the reality check that we're walking down the right road to love. Okay. Can I, can I, can I say one thing about, you said all of them are wor- worried that, you know, I, do I love that way? Yeah. I wanna, no one's wrong here. I, when I told my son, I said, you know me longer than anybody else. When you read the book, I just want you to know that I will spend the rest of my life learning, to, learning how to live up to every sentence I wrote. You know, <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. one is, is perfect here, and I am still learning and, and growing. In fact, uh, about, just before I started writing the book, I, I'd been teaching, and I, you know, and I was dating somebody, and I was writing this 150-page manual for a couple's retreat. And I waited mm-hmm. a week beforehand, and I was cranking it out, you know. And she calls one day, and I say, oh, my God, 
you know, right, I'm just starting. Can you call back later? Yeah, sure. She calls back two hours later. Oh, I'm, I'm on a new section. I, I need to, I'll call you back a little bit later. Okay, cool. Then she calls a third time. I say, you know, uh, I, it's really going to, I'm on a, I'm on a roll. The fourth time I pulled that on her, she goes, fine. And Uh-oh. I swear to God, Ray, I, I, was, I, was, I wrote for about three minutes, and I was writing on a section called Turning Toward Your Bids, that your partner's bids for attention and mm-hmm. support. And I looked up to the universe, and I said, you have a warped sense of humor. yeah and when I I called her back and she goes I don't feel very welcome with joy Dr. Salyer (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I I had to say I imagine not she goes you're all right I don't you know and of course we know what the next 20 minutes was right and I deserved it right I deserved it I did a lousy job of doing what I have taught so many couples now, let, so let me ask you a question. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you when you say that, I mean, you know, I I know we all strive to be better on a daily basis, but when you're when you're in a you know when when you're in a, uh, a consultation with a with a couple, and you're sharing and they're asking you questions or you're giving them guidance, does your mind tell you, oh, that's something that I need to work on myself? Or do you, or are you able to uh, take your personal isms out of it and just be clinical at that point? I, I, I keep a professional place, but if you don't think in twelve years I haven't learned from my clients, <laughs> right? You know, there have been times I've said, "Wow, I remember having done that twenty or thirty, or you know, or you just learn, "Wow, that's not a good response." Uh, you always learn from your clients, you know. Right. You always do. Um, and, um, so, uh, but you keep a professional, but if you, but if you're not, something's wrong, you know, I have learned some beautiful things, uh, just because every once in a while, and when you finally get the couple to make and repair, sometimes, you know, they'll say the great, the greatest things and you think, wow, what a beautiful phrase to keep on file. <laughs> you know, and right. and that's and that's the magic of working with people because when they when you work with them, you restore their rights and they start to shine with their best self. Those are the moments when you're sitting in a chair. You get to learn because there are so many beautiful souls that walk in and say, and they walk out even more beautiful than and they, or they start, or it's really about just reflecting the beauty that was already there, already right. them. And it's like clearing off a window that's been dirty, and the beauty was always there. We just had to clear off the window. Right. You know, and it's um, for, like, in a situation like that, like, I can I can relate to going out. Um, there is a, in, in the 12-step uh, process, there is a... You know, you're bringing the message to people who are, say, in facilities and stuff like that. It's H&I. It's hospitals and institutions. So you go in and you share your your experience, strength, and hope with the individuals that are there. And sometimes, you know, I, I jokingly would, you know, when we left, if I was with somebody, I'd say, well, we saved, we saved another one. You know, but there were times when people, you know, great, great fully thanked me for the message that I shared to them, but I got that much more out of it. And it's only because, like you said, we need to remain teachable because once we think we know everything is the day that we start regressing. 
you know, and, and I think if, if we stop being open minded, um, a lot of things start closing down. It, you don't just stay in tread water at that point. You start regressing. Exactly. And it's a little arrogant to think that we could ever know it all about something as deep right. as life and human nature. Uh, right. To be honest with you, I'm still a seven-year-old inside that when I find something genuinely new and cool, it's like, and I will still say that like the first time I ever saw a dinosaur, Ooh, <laughs> you know, what powers the, the PhD is a seven-year-old who said, who was just curious about life. I hope, you know, and we all should be curious about life because the moment we, you know, we get set in, the, in our ways, uh, then we have the, we lose the ability to adapt and adaptability to make attuned responses to each other, to adapt. You know, because we're all changing is the very essence of what it means to be in a loving relationship. Nobody stays the same forever, right? And Gratefully. we have to adapt. Yeah. Yes, and we need to adapt to ourselves. Sometimes our needs are not the same, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, there, there are times when you look at yourself and you go, it's who I am serving what I want to do in life. <laughs> and there have been several times in my life I've had to realize that I had to outgrow myself to become, my, to become a better version of me. Um, and that who I said I was was a limiting story. And it might have been a good story, like, wow, you know, I'm a grad professor. Woo, you know. Um, yeah. And then, and then I asked the question, but is that really what I came to do? <laughs> right? And then I asked a different, so then it became, so we're always growing. We, that's what I call a right to create your own experience, where you have a, you, you are empowered with choice. The choice to look yourself and say, what what if I wanted to be somebody else? What if, how can my identity serve my soul? I mean, there's all sorts of ways. I mean, you know, do I get to be the master and have choice at who I am instead of saying, well, this is who I was from childhood? <laughs> or a certain pain drove me to this. And one line I put in the book is, no incident, no childhood event should ever have the power to control your incarnation. It's just too right. much power. And mm-hmm. that's what real, the real right, you talked about rights earlier, I forgot what the question was, but one of those rights is the right to create your own experience. And everybody out here, no matter what that experience is, there is within you a natural born right to be able to be a choice for who you are inside. It's an inside. To be, to be good with the all of you, the good and the bad, the weak and the strong, the addicted part and the non-addicted part, whatever it is, you know, to be able to be good with it and to stay. But of all the experiences I could be having, isn't it interesting I'm having this one? Now, I wonder how I'm creating that and what can I do to create a difference? That's the moment we get free, is when we realize that no matter what the pain is, no matter what our identity is, no matter what our patterns are, there's a part that's doing it for a perfectly good reason. And how are we creating it? And what would we like to create? When we separate ourselves from our experience, that's a day to rejoice because we are not our experience. We are not the state. We are not the pattern. We have an ability to, to take one degree of separation and go, how did I create that? I wonder how I can do it better. 
um, wow, <laughs> that was that just that yeah, that just blew like the back of my head off because you know here I am still thinking about the little kid and the dinosaur, and um, it, it really just does come back to to that. I mean, if we have the ability to be able to um, stay open minded. Then you know, like they say, the, the the world the world is yours, and and you know, all of that in a nutshell is if you have the willingness to grow, then I think all of the all of the doors that open up for you are are all positive doors. You know, like what well, you you ultimately said. Uh, we we have to go to break in a second here, but you ultimately said in the other segment, you know, that we learn in our third trimester about um, feelings. We feel feelings. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people, all you have to do is go to Walmart and you can see that there are a lot of people walking around not feeling feelings. And I'm so grateful that existing in between all of them, I've learned to be able to open up and feel what's going on and to express what's going on. Call 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792 with your questions or comments for Dr. Salia when we return on the Miracles in Recovery radio show. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the power to change the world. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
And we are back for the last segment of the show. And, you know, it's funny. When we have a guest on and they're very, very interesting, in my mind, the last segment, I say, man, we, we just don't have enough time to cover everything that you have, you know, all the knowledge that you have to share. So if you could um, go over your social media um, outlets again. So if somebody has any questions that are a little bit too timid to call in and ask, they can maybe reach out to you, send you a message and, and you can share maybe a little bit of your guidance that way and, and, and let people know how they can get the book. Okay. You get the book, uh, uh, Safe to Love Again on Amazon or there's a link on my website, GarySalier.com. Uh, you can contact me there. There's, you know, under the singles and couples page and contact Gary, there's, um, no form you can reach out there. Uh, I'm on social media. I'm on uh, Safe to Love Again page on Facebook. Dr. Gary Sawyer on Facebook. I've got Gary D. Sawyer on Twitter. There's Instagram, Sawyer. I think it is. And um, so those are the places you can reach me. If you really want to contact me, feel free to write me at, you know, uh, at the website. Just go to the website and you'll see there's like three places you can, do, you can write me. And, says uh, contact us. Yeah. Thing, yeah, and the biggest thing here is that I talk about these six rights. These feelings, these four core feelings, when mm-hmm. you feel welcome with joy, it gives you a right to be in the world, a right to exist, to be in your body. When you feel welcomed, um, uh, worthy and nourished, it gives you a right to reach out for your needs, to be able to, to reach out and to take, and then to give back, and then to take in a balanced way. You get a right to separate and belong. That means you get to be a full me in a we, not a me without a we or all we so you feel unmeshed, but you get to be able to go out and explore your life and come back to somebody who's got a supportive, sees your dreams, and you have a home port in their heart to rest, to play. To, to be refreshed in life, to be supported. They're the high wire actor in your life. You also have a right to create your own experience, which we talk about. You get to claim all of your humanity, good and bad, weak and strong, and be able to say, what, who do I want to be? I am the standard of my experience. Then there's uh, the right to, to assert, which you get to have voice. But not only voice, but choice. You get to have your wins on. You get to choose what you really want rather than the blue light special, so to speak. And then when you add all those feelings up from welcomed and worthy and cherished and empowered, then you get the bonus right, which is the right to love and be loved. And when you, I never tell my clients to love themselves. I tell them to reclaim their rights, which is pretty much the same thing. And if you are giving and receiving these, these relationships, these, these rights and these feelings, you're going to be in a much better place with life and love. And if you're out there and you're wondering if you're single, is this a good relationship, you're married, what's going on in our relationship, just monitor these four feelings. One to ten, how welcome do I feel? One to ten, how worthy? One to ten, how cherished? One to ten, how empowered? It'll give you a GPS. Oh, this is what's missing. And so just start using your new JPS are these four feelings and know that you have a right to all these things. And when you have those rights, it fills up the void and that is really going to be a part of truly loving yourself is knowing you have a right. And that's what's revelatory about the, the book from the reader's uh, emails that I've gotten is, I didn't know I had a right to have my needs met. 
I didn't know I had a right to be in a we. Mm-hmm. And it's liberating to know, wait a minute, this, this is what I was born for. And it's a right, and I can reclaim it. And anything else, we're not make no one's wrong, but I can have more. I can fill that old void. It'll be a way of knowing how to truly love yourself and others. Right, and, you, and we when we were talking during the break, and I had said on the other side about you know all you have to do is go to Walmart and see people not feeling their feelings. You had you corrected me during the break, and you said, well, they do feel their feelings, but they're ultimately in the witness protection program. So share a little bit about that. Who for somebody who out there who may be in the witness protection program, how can they get themselves out of that? I mean, I know we well, we only have a few minutes, but you know, yeah. just, just share a little uh, bit about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, I was working with a client who had had several, he was now engaged, and he'd had, in his 20s, four or five uh, significant relationships in which the woman cheated on him. And, um, and she, he got this idea, and he, would, he loved her, and he said, well, I just know that one day, oh, you know, she's going to cheat on me. And what I realized in that moment was all those negative hurt feelings. He, he didn't want to feel his feelings. They went underground and then they went and then they came up in a witness protection program called a negative future filter is what I call it, right? He saw everything from the perspective of his past. He may not have felt it, but he was seeing life through it. And, and those feelings were carefully hid in his future called a negative, uh, you could call it a crappy worldview, um, uh, there's a lot of ways we do witness protection programs, right? I think some addictions are ways of doing it. Uh, right. We just stick them down there, the feelings, and they come up underground as, you know, some sort of addiction. Uh, whatever that is, it's okay to feel it. You know, maybe you need professional help in order to do this because I know there's some trauma Enough. But if we can process those and we can learn how to do the deep work so we can swap out the... The, the the bad ones for the ones that are good, the worthy for you know, unworthy for worthy, disempowered for empowered. It's mm-hmm. that's the life changing, and it's okay. Those feelings are there to tell you I deserve more. You know you the, the not that I'm wrong, but I deserve more. Right now, the question the question that that I have that you know you had, you had said that you were uh, seeing a gentleman who uh, had five or six different relationships and the, and the person cheated on him, was he setting himself up for that to happen in a way? You know what I mean? With with having those specific um, feelings not addressed? Do we do, we do that? Well, do we set that. ourselves up? Yeah. I, 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 they were a couple, and I brought him in for a private session. I listened to him at one point. I said... What this is going to do, it's either either she's going to walk away or one day it's going to drive her. Because, you know, mm-hmm. there's a part of her that says, if I can't win, I might, you know, if I can't, you know, if I, if I have to pay the piper, I might as well dance. Right. <laughs> is the other way yeah. it goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, um, and luckily, we were able to do the work where we went back and, you know, and processed all that, you know, and um, he's turned into quite a very, very different man after that. Uh, because nobody wants, you know, what I said, this is an example of the next paying for the ex. And nobody wants to pay for the ex. <laughs> right. You know? No, this is true. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it's a, you know, it's all a matter of just noticing whatever feelings are there. They're there to talk to us, to speak to us, and and they're there to say we deserve better. And I think that's what's under most addictions. Uh, and these rights, if you think about it, think about any reason that drove you to that place. Was it other? I didn't have a right to have my needs met, or right not to have to really be in a we, a right not to have to create my own experience, whatever that was. I'll bet you. Some part of that addiction was trying to make up for that missing right. So let's, the best way to, to, to love yourself is to, is to go back and reclaim all those rights. True statement. You know, and, and I thank you for coming on. We have about two minutes left, so I don't want to get into something in, in the middle of uh, and then have to cut the audience off. But, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have you on, Doctor, because it was it was a different subject. But I'm sure that my audience or our audience got something out of it, because, like I said, when I first started coming around 30 years ago, I had no clue that I was stuffing, you know, my love, my, all of that stuff. And it took me a long time to get to a point where I was loving, where I was open to be able to even accept the love of my brothers and sisters and myself, you know, and, and it is a process and I'm grateful that you came on and shared a little bit of your experience, a little bit of your your hope to our audience. And like I said, halfway through, we didn't have enough time to cover what it is that we need to cover. So hopefully in the coming months, we can reach out to you again and, and have you come on and, and share a little bit more about, your, you know, your life, your book, your works. And, um, you know, hopefully you'll help teach someone else to love. Well, thank you, Ray, and thank you for giving, helping me have a, a bigger voice because this is a message that's near to my heart. And thank you for making me worthy to be on your show, and and it's been a wonderful, very soulful experience with you. And thank you. And for all you out listening, thank you for taking the time to listen and to you know and to just be able to share our beautiful souls together this, this for in this time together. It's been an honor to be with you, Ray, and with everybody on this call. Awesome. Thank you very much, Doc. And seeing Ellen isn't here, I'll say it. With miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. Good night, everyone. Stay blessed. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.